Let's join the worship center at Life Church, where the service is already in progress. I want to talk to us about what's in our hand. What are we doing with what we have? And we're going to look at two men in the Bible who used only what was in their hand and saved the nation of Israel two different times just by using what they already had in their hand. You see, many times we think we can't do anything for God until we get enough money, or we think we can't do anything for God until we get the right job or get things settled down in our family, or we can't do anything for God until we get to this point in our life or get to that point in our life. If I ever just get two days off, then I can do something for God. If I could ever just, if I could ever just, if I could ever just. And God is looking for us to say, what you have right now is just enough. Use it. Use what you have, and God will multiply the effects of what you have. Many times we think we don't have enough to offer God. And we talked about that some last time when I spoke about how God wants to diminish us and think that we don't have anything to bring to the table to offer to his kingdom. But you have everything that you need right in your hand already. And so we're going to talk about how God wants us to use what is in our hand. So I'm going to tell you a couple of accounts from some things that happened in the Old Testament. And then we're going to see how God wants us to use what we have today to build his kingdom. First of all, let's go to Exodus chapter 4. And this is when the burning bush appeared to Moses. I don't know about you, but I think a talking bush would be a sign enough for me. If a bush started talking to me and uh, telling me stuff, I think I might get the point. But evidently it wasn't enough for Moses. This bush is talking to him. And so in Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, God had been speaking to him in the chapter before that, saying that he wanted him to save the people and and go and uh, get uh, his step family, his adoptive family, not step family, adoptive family to release the people of Israel from slavery. And Moses answered in verse 1, But behold, they won't believe me or listen to me and obey my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So Moses is starting with excuses. And isn't that what we do? When God starts talking to us about things that we need to do, we say, But God, you don't, they're not going to listen to me. But, but God, I, I, I'm not good enough to be able to do this. But God, I, I don't have the right reputation to be able to do this. We start offering God our excuses of why we can't do the very thing that he's called us to do. And I like verse 2. The Lord said to him, What is in your hand? Now, don't you think God already knew the answer to that question? It wasn't like he was clueless. You know, God wasn't having a senior moment. He knew what was in Moses' hand. But he wanted Moses to know what he already had. He said, what's in your hand? And Moses probably was like, what do you mean what's in my hand? Are you not here? You're in this bush. You're talking to me. You don't know what's in my hand. And he said, a rod. And God told him to cast it on the ground. And he did so, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran away from it. He fled before it. And the Lord said to Moses, put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And when he stretched out his hand and caught it, 
Now that would have taken some faith for me. I throw down a stick and all of a sudden it starts becoming a snake and slithering around. I would have ran and God and I would have been done talking for then. I would have been like, God, you kill that serpent, then we'll talk. He said, no, take it by the tail. So Moses grabbed it by the tail. Woo, he was brave. And he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. You shall do this, says the Lord, that the elders may believe on the Lord their God. That he has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, take your hand and put it in your bosom, your chest. And he put his hand in his bosom and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous. White as snow. And God said, put your hand into your bosom again. And when he put it back in his bosom, he took it out and behold, it was restored as the rest of his flesh. Then God said, if they will not believe you or heed the voice or the testimony or the sign... They may believe the voice or the witness of the second sign. But if they won't believe those two voices, signs, those two voice signs or heed your voice, then take some water of the river of the Nile and pour it upon dry land, and the water which you take out of the river will become blood on the dry land. So, God is talking to Moses and he's like, Okay, your rod, if you let it go, it will become a serpent. You pick it back up and it becomes a rod. Put your hand in your chest, take it back out, it'll be leprous. Put it back in again, it'll be white as snow. Then if they don't believe all that, go grab up a cup full of water from the Nile River, dump it on the ground, and it'll turn into blood. Now, I think I might have believed after all that. I think I might have, if I was Moses and I'd seen all that, I might have been like, well, okay, we can do this. I can work with this. But Moses said... Oh, Lord, I'm not an eloquent man of words. Neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and I have a heavy and awkward tongue. So Moses is still offering up excuses of why he isn't good enough to do the very thing God told him to do with what he already had. So now it's, okay, they're not going to believe me the first time. So God gives them three ways for them to believe. Then, okay, God, well, they might believe me, but I'm not a good talker. I don't talk good. And the Lord said to him, who made your mouth? Who makes the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth. Aren't you glad God can be with our mouth sometimes? Because sometimes it wants to say some stuff. I will be with your mouth. I will teach you what you will say. So, he said, I'm not a good speaker. He said, go and I'll be with your mouth and I'll tell you what to say. All you got to do is be a puppet. And then said Moses... Oh, Lord, I pray you, send by the hand of some other person who you want to send. So he's still making excuses. God has already laid out how he can do so much with what is already in his own hands. And he's like, well, you know, this rod thing's pretty cool and the blood thing in the hand. And then, okay, yeah, I'll open up my mouth and you'll fill it up. But, you know, I'm really just not feeling it, God. Can't you just get someone else to do it? 
I don't really feel like I can do that. And when God comes to us and asks us to do things, many times our first thing is an excuse, and then God provides an answer for that excuse, and then there's another. And then when it comes down to it, we get like Moses and we say, can't you just send somebody else? I I just really don't feel like doing that right now. And then the anger of the Lord blazed against Moses. Woo! I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound good. He said, Is not Aaron your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. God knew Moses could speak well too, but he's just trying to prove to Moses he's going to make it. Also, he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be overjoyed. You must speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you will do. So you, he shall speak to the people for you, acting as a mouthpiece for you, and you shall be as God to him. And you will take the rod in your hand, and you will work the signs that, that prove I sent you. Moses still isn't getting out of it. He's still got to tell Aaron. Did you ever play that game telephone when you were a kid? You know, you'd start, well, some of you might know it as gossip. You'd start, you'd all be in a line, and you'd say, you know, she's wearing pink pants. And then they had to repeat that to the next person. They had to repeat it to the next person. They had to repeat it to the next person. And by the time it got down to the end of it, there's a blue elephant in the room. And you know, that's how it goes. God doesn't want us to give second-hand information out. He wants to use you. He doesn't want to say, well, I think God told me this. Now you go tell everybody. He wants you to tell people. He wants me to tell people. He wants us to be his direct mouthpiece. He wants us to take what we have and use it for his kingdom. Moses didn't get out of it. He still had to speak. He still had to work the signs. God wants you and I to take what's in our hands and use it for his kingdom. What you have is enough to get you started. Is it what you need to complete everything? Probably not. But what you have right now is enough to get started on what God has for you to do. You know, when we sit back and think about all the things that we want to do here at Life Church and the vision that God gave my dad and that we continue to, to work on and build and, and grow. Even at the point of the beginning, and those of you who were here in the beginning, I know James and Tony can tell you, it, it did not look like it was going to be feasible to even get started. For those of you that don't know, we, we started at City Park. That's where we first started meeting at church. We started having service at City Park. And then we moved and, and God opened up a way for us to meet on the square. And then God opened up a way for us to get here. And as we did what we could with what we had, God gave the increase to do more. God wants to know, will you be faithful with what's in your hand right now? Because if we aren't faithful with what's in our hand right now, why would God give us anything else to do anything else for Him? It's canning season, in case you didn't know. I know all too well it's canning season, yes. 
the harvest is among us. But, well, it's coming. I've gotten wind. The harvest is coming. So it's canning and dehydrating season. I don't think it's ever not dehydrating season at our house. But we're canning and doing different things. And many times, our mentality is to get all we can, can all we can, and then keep it all and sit on our can. But God doesn't operate like that. He says, yes, do all you can, get all you can, and then give all you can, and do all you can. Get all that you can, then do all that you can. God doesn't bless us or give us things just to heap up junk upon ourselves. He blesses us, gives us things, gives us tools so that we can take them and reach out to others. God is asking us, what is in your hand? What have I already given you? So why do we can? Why do we take stock in the food pantry? Why do we do this and that? So that we can bless others. So that we can give. So that we can do. So that we can be who God has called us to be. He hasn't called us to be spiritual hoarders. He's called us to be givers. What is in our hand? What can we do with what we already have? Let's look at another man in the Bible who used what was in his hand. A very familiar story if you've been in church any length of time. David and Goliath. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this story, but David's brothers went to battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines had a big old giant. Really tall giant. Bigger than anybody you know. Bigger than any NBA star. And so this giant would come out every day and make fun of all the children of Israel because the men of war would hide. They would go back and hide in the ditch. We're not going out there today. That guy's a little too big. And so David's dad told him, Here, go take this care package to your brothers. He made up some food and sent it with David. And David got up to the battlefield and he began to see what was happening. I mean, the man's spear head, his spear's head alone weighed 600 shekels of iron. His coat of mail weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. I mean, this guy was tough. He would go out back and forth. Who's going to come and battle me today? Because he had told them, you send out your bravest warrior. And if I kill him, the Philistines win. If you kill me, then the Israelites win. We're going to see what's what. And he would come out every day. Who's going to fight me at battle? Who's going to come and whoop me today? Nobody was coming. Was nobody taking on that fight. And David got up to the battlefield and he took his brothers the food and he began asking, what is going on? We are children of God. 
Why do you, is there not a cause to get up and fight? Why are you letting him defile the armies of God? Why are we letting him put God down? God is greater. Why are we not going out to battle? Because we know that if God is with us, then it doesn't matter what giant is against us. So he dropped off the ten loaves and the ten cheeses. And he went out to the, his brothers and saw what was going on. And David said to the men standing by him, Is there not a cause? Should we not go down and fight? And his brothers are like, What are you doing here? Get yourself back to those stinky sheep. Get out there and start writing songs in the desert. You don't know anything about this battlefield. Just go. Isn't that what people do when we start doing something for God? Well, you're crazy. What do you mean? You're gonna, you're gonna, um, you're gonna go out there and, and have a daycare and a school. What church? What business does a church have in that? What do you mean you're gonna, you're gonna uh, start this program where the kids can learn about where their food comes from and throw, build it into a fundraising effort for the church? What? You, you, what are you doing? You're crazy. What business is that of the church? I would say, what business is it not of the church? Aren't we to clothe people? Aren't we to feed people? Aren't we to do good to anyone that we can? Aren't we to educate? Aren't we to reach out? Aren't we to make disciples and teach people how to take care of themselves and do things the way God said to do them in His Word? That's the first thing that people do when you start talking about God doesn't want this going on. They start saying, well, who are you to say God doesn't want it going on? You know, get out there with them sheep and write them songs. Your place is not here. But David went to Saul and said, you know what, Saul? That was the king at the time. I can take this giant. And Saul was like, really? What do you mean you can take this giant? And David told him, he said, when I was a, a, a adolescent, when I was really young, I was a warrior from my youth. I was a sheep keeper. So he's going to tell the king how he was a warrior from his youth. And then he leads with, I was a sheep keeper. I don't know about you, but that's not the way to lead that story. I was a sheep keeper. And when the lion came out or a bear came out of the flock, I went after it and smote it and delivered the lamb out of the mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and smote it and killed it. Your servant has killed a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. He knew he wasn't talking David out of it. And when we get an idea from God of what he has called us to do, we need that same tenacity. I know that God has told me to do this, and so I'm going to go and do it with all my might. I'm going to use exactly what's in my hand, and I'm going to go, and God's going to be with me. 
Then notice this. Saul clothed David with his own armor and put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword over his armor and he tried to go, but he could not for he was not used to it. That's the next thing that's going to happen when you start getting ready to release what's in your hand. People are going to try to tell you how to do it. The way it should be done. Well, I think it needs to be done this way, and I think it needs to be done that way. No, it needs to be done God's way. God said for us to use what we have, not to go get what everybody else has and use that. The way that other people do things is not necessarily the way that God will call us to do things. We have to be willing to use what we have, not try to do it the way the world says to do it. See, the world says when you go out to fight, you get all that armor on, you get that big sword out, you get your helmet on, and then you just try to make it. I mean, I don't even know how they fought. That mess was so heavy. Just try to make it out to the battlefield and not wear out and sling your sword and hopefully it cuts somebody's head off or something. But God did not have that plan for David. And when God asks us to do things, they don't always look like the world would say to do it. Why? Because we are not in the world's way of doing things. We are in God's kingdom, His way of doing things. He might do like He did with the Israelites a different time and say, okay, go get some water pitchers and some candles and some trumpets and we're going to win this war. Water pitchers, candles, and trumpets. But they saw victory. Because they used what they had. They used what was already in their hand. So David looked at the king and said, I can't go with these. I'm not used to them. He took them off. He took his staff in his hand. And he went out and chose five smooth stones out of the brook. And put him in his lunch sack. And with a sling in his hand, he went near the Philistine. So here David goes. Out to fight the battle with what he has. Five rocks and a slingshot. Sounds like a recipe for victory to me. So he gets out on the battlefield. And you know the story. Goliath comes to him and he's like, This is who you send out to fight me? You send out this little wimp? What are you doing? You're crazy. And David looked at him and said, You come to me with a sword and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the ranks of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you, and I will cut off your head, and I will give the corpse to the army of the Philistines this day, and the birds of the air and the wild beasts uh, of the earth, and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. He used what he had. He loaded up that slingshot. He got it ready to go. And he released what was in his hand. And just like Moses, when he let go of what was in his hand, God multiplied the force behind it. And used it to take down the giant in front of the army of God. Because that rock hit Goliath in the forehead. And the Bible says that it sunk into his forehead. 
that type of force could have only come from the Lord. And so Goliath fell down, dead. And David ran out, took Goliath's own sword, and cut off his head, just as he said he would. And the whole army of the Philistines fled. Why did they see victory that day? Because one little young man was willing to let go of what was already in his hand and use it for the kingdom of God. Why did the children of Israel see deliverance from the Egyptians? Because Moses was willing to throw what was in his hand down on the ground and let God use it for his glory and his honor. Why will you and I see the vision that God has called us to build be built? Because we are willing to let go of what's in our hand and release it and let God multiply the force behind it to be used by Him. God wants to use you. He longs to use you. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for you. And you and I must be willing to release three things this morning. More than that. But these three I want to draw your attention to in the scripture. First is our time. God wants your time. He wants your time. Not only to spend it worshiping him and praising him, but he wants to use your time to build his kingdom. Colossians 4, 5. Behave yourself wisely, living prudently with discretion. In your relations and with those of the outside world, making the very most of your time, seizing and buying up the opportunities. So God wants us to make the most of our time. Are we utilizing our time to the best of our ability? How do you figure that out? Well, you keep a time log. And I know that that sounds boring, but it'll help you know where your time goes. It'll help you see how much time you're actually devoting to God. Make a list. 745.2. No, you don't have to get that specific. Open my eyes and woke up. 805. Ate breakfast. You know, start journaling your time to see where it's going. You do that for a week, and you'll have a really good idea of where your time is going. And then you'll know exactly how much time you're giving to God. And many times, it'll show us that we need to make adjustments and reprioritize things. Because many times we'll find that we feel like we're giving a lot of time to God, but we aren't really doing the very best that we can in that area. So a practical way to see where your time is going is just make a journal for a week. Write down what you're doing and see how much time am I giving to God. I say I give time to God, but what does that really look like? Or is it just something that I say I do? Romans 13, 11 through 12. Besides this, you know what a critical hour this is. How it's high time for you now to wake up out of your sleep, to rouse to reality. For salvation and final deliverance is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is almost here. Let us drop and fling away the works and deeds of darkness and put on the full armor of light. We have to recognize that we are living in the last days. And there are things that we need to do to get prepared for everything that God wants to do in the years to come. 
We have to know the times and seasons that we live in and wake up and realize that time is short. If you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would you do today? If you knew for sure that 11 o'clock tomorrow the rapture was going to happen, who would you call today and tell about God? Who would you go visit? What tough conversations would you have? You've heard me say this before, but we should live every day like God is coming back tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Live every day like God is coming back tomorrow. And prepare yourself and prepare others for the critical hour that we live in. James 4.14 Do you not know that... or Yet you do not know about what will happen tomorrow. What's the nature of your life? You're really but a wisp of vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist that is visible for a little while and then disappears into the air. We have a finite time on this earth. We have an infinite time in eternity, but we have a finite time on this earth. And we will stand before God and give an account of what we did with this finite time we were given. How did we spend it for the kingdom? What did we do with our time? How did we make an impact for the kingdom of God while we were on this earth? God wants to use your time. Next, God wants to use your treasure. He wants to use your possessions. He wants to use your money. He wants to use your treasure, the things that you have. Matthew six nineteen through 21. Don't gather or heap up and store for yourselves treasure on this earth where moth and rust and worm will consume and destroy and thieves break through and steal. But heap up and store for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust or worm consume and destroy, where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I encourage you to never have anything too precious to you that if God said, give it to somebody, you wouldn't be willing to do it. I encourage you to look at what's in your house and think, do I really need this? Could I bless someone with it? How could I use this for the kingdom? We say, oh, if I had more money, I would do things for God. God doesn't need you to have more money. He needs us to do what we can with what we have. If I have more of this or more of that, we'll start with what we have. Do you have six cans of beans? Do you need six cans of beans? I bet there's somebody in town that could use two of them. Do you have 50 coats? Do you need 50 coats? I bet there's somebody in town that could use them. Start with what we have. It can be money. It could be possessions. Whatever we have. Start with where we are. Are we faithful to God with what we have? Are we good stewards over the things that he's given to us? When you're making up dinner, make double. Bless somebody with it. These are practical things that we can do to show God's love on this earth. Use what we have to be a blessing. 
Give out of what we already have. Use what is in our hand. And when we're willing to let go of what's in our hand, don't worry about tomorrow because God will meet and supply our need and there'll be something there for tomorrow. But we've got to be willing to let go of what we have first. And not be so, so self-centered with that. That we are just focused on ourselves and us and what about me. That we forget that God has called us to share the gospel and what we have with others. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. God has called us to honor him with our substance. Honor God with what we have. Are we giving from what we have? Are we using what we have right now? Are we using our time for him? Are we using our treasure for him? Isaiah 55, 2. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your earnings for that which does not satisfy? Hearken, hear diligently me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in, in fatness, in profuseness of spiritual joy. Where are we spending our earnings? Are we building the kingdom of God with them? Or are we just building ourselves? God wants us to use what we have to build his kingdom. Proverbs nineteen seventeen: He who has pity on the poor and lends, lends to the Lord, and he which is given, he, God will repay him. God calls us to give to the poor. He calls us to take care of those around us. We are blessed not to be spiritual hoarders, but we are blessed to be spiritual blessings. Give of our treasure. Give of what we have. First Timothy 6.10 For the love of money. Notice it doesn't say money. Because a lot of people say, Oh, money is evil. Can't have money. The love of money is the root of all evil. And it's through this craving that some have been led astray and have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many acute mental pains. If we desire money more than we desire God, and if we hang on to it more than we hang on to God, then we will have many mental pains because we will only be able to get what we can get and do what we can do. But when we're willing to release what we have, our treasure, then we become a conduit, a cord, an electric cord, plugged into God for God's power and blessing and and work to move through. And when you become a conduit, a a conductive cord for God, you don't have to worry about whether you and I are taken care of. God says in his word, he sees that our needs are met. He sees that we're taken care of. But we must be willing to let go of what we have first. Salvation would not have come to the children of Israel Had those men not released what was in their hand? 
Had Moses not said, well, that stick, I like that stick. I don't want to throw it down on the ground. I'm going to keep that stick. That's a good walking stick. It's my favorite stick. I don't want to see it turned into a serpent. I don't want to touch that serpent. I'm just going to go back to my father's house. I'm just going to go back to my father-in-law's house, and I'm going to hang out there, and I'm going to hide out in this desert and forget them. What would have happened to the children of Israel? What would have happened if David would have shown up and said, Well, yeah, that's pretty crazy out there. Good luck with that. And left. God had an answer through David. God had an answer through Moses. And God has an answer for someone through you. You are somebody's answer to prayer. You are somebody's answer to prayer. I am somebody... That sounds really proud, doesn't it? You know I don't mean it like that. We are people's answer to prayer. God needs us to do our part. And our part is not to just hoard up everything. Our part is to give and use our time and use our treasure and use our talent. God has placed unique giftings on the inside of you that He designed for you to use for His kingdom. It's not about the people that are on the stage on Sunday morning. It's not about, you know, any one person. We are a body. It's about all of us working together to do our part to accomplish God's will on earth. In the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And the only way that kingdom is going to come and his will be done in earth is in when our earthen vessels get to the business of doing the kingdom business. God wants to use your talent that he placed on the inside of you. First Peter 4, 10-11. As each of you have received a gift. So each of you, each of us has received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment. Employ it and use it for one another as befits good trustees of God's grace. Faithful stewards of the diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor. Whoever speaks let him do so as one who speaks for God. Whoever renders service, let him do it as with strength which God furnishes abundantly, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ the Messiah. To him be glory and dominion and forever, forever and ever through the endless ages. Amen. So God wants you and I, whoever's getting up talking, do it the very best you can and speak the words of God. Whoever's serving, serve the best you can and do it with the strength that God gives you. Whoever is going out and, and greeting people, greet. Whoever's speaking to others about Jesus, speak the very best that you can. All to give glory to Him. Remember, it's not about us. Like we talked about the other week, we're just the pizza box. We're just the delivery mechanism for what God wants to do. Romans twelve six through 11. Having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. So we all have gifts. Let us use them. He who is the gift of prophecy, let him prophesy. 
He who is the gift of practical service, let him give himself to serving. He who teaches, teach. He who exhorts and encourages to his exhortation. He who contributes, let him do so in simplicity and liberal, liberty. Liberal, liberality, yes. Someday I'll learn English. He who gives us aid and superintends with zeal and singleness of mind. He who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. Let your love be a real thing. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. Giving precedence and showing honor one to another. And never lag in zeal and earnest endeavor. And be aglow and burning with the Spirit. Serving the Lord. All of us are to be serving the Lord. All of us have gifts and callings from God that are without repentance. All of us have a part to play. And God needs us to use our talent for Him. 1 Timothy 4.14 Don't neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect the gift which is in you which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit and prophetic utterance. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. Use our time. Use our treasure. Use our talent. Notice that David couldn't use Saul's armor. He had to use his own. He had to use what God had given him. Many times we sit back when we talk about talents and be like, Oh, I wish I could sing like him. His voice is just like the angelic choir of heaven. Well, if we all sang, it wouldn't be so special. If we all sang, what good would that do if everybody just sang? Now, singing is good, but if everyone just sang, then we couldn't get other stuff done because we'd all be singing. God needs us all to use our particular gifts. Saul went to our battle covered in armor. David couldn't do that because that's not how God had designed it for David. David needed to use what he had. He had five rocks and a slingshot in his lunch sack. But God used what he had, his gifts, his abilities, what was in his hand. God gave him five stones. And in the grand scheme of things, five stones doesn't seem like a lot. Five stones doesn't look like victory. But David was willing to use what he had. And God multiplied it for his kingdom. We must be able to let go of what we have. Let go of what is in our hand. Had Moses and David not let go, they would not have seen deliverance for the children of Israel. But God took what was in David's hand. And God took what was in Moses' hand and used it for your, His glory. The question today for us is, will you let God take what's in your hand? Let's stand. God, help us to release what we have, to not be so stuck on stuff and stuck on this or that, Thank you for joining us today. 
We would love to hear from you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 1004. That's P.O. Box 1004, Monticello, Arkansas, 71657. Or you can email us at lci.monticello at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also check out our website. It's www.getlife.co. That's www.getlife.co. There you can find Pastor Kelly and Pastor Josh's sermon notes, and you can see what's going on all through the week at Life Church. We would love to have you in one of our services with us. Join us Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for our worship service. Pastor Kelly ministers, and it's a great time in the presence of God. Or you can join us for Digging Deep on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pastor Josh digs into the Word of God, connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament and giving us a fresh biblical perspective from God's point of view. We hope that you have a great week this week. Remember, go live to make God look good. God bless you till we're with you again.